We've been in a, in a series that we just started a few weeks ago as a church that we've called Kingdom Come, which is all through the Gospel of Luke, and we've kind of laid it out so that tonight we would be looking at Luke 2, the very account um, where Jesus is born. And as we get into our sermon this evening, I want to I ask two questions of the text, because it's a long one. We're, we're going to look at 52 verses together. You might think, man, we're going to be here all night. I thought this was going to be a short, brief sermon. What happened to that? It will be, I promise. But we're going to take, take a, a flyover of 52 verses. I want to ask two questions, simple questions. For whom did Jesus come? So who did he come for and why? Why did Jesus come? Who did he come for and why did Jesus come? So we're going to kind of, we won't have time to read the whole chapter. We've read most, or at least almost half of it in our scripture readings tonight. But we are going to read um, chunks of the chapter. And so if you have a Bible or a phone, I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And tonight we'll also have the scripture on the screen, since it is a little longer, um, so that you can follow along. So this is Luke 2. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had uh, been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, the light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And the sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Drop down to 41. Time passes, and then it says, Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, "'Son, why have you treated us like this?' Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. This is the word of the Lord. Who did Jesus come for? For whom did Jesus come? 
as we've kind of looked, the people of God are waiting for a Messiah to come rescue them from their oppressors. You see, they lived in a time and a place when everything was just all twisted about God has been silent. There, there's political divisions and strife. They're occupied by a foreign country. They're given permission to worship, but it's just not the same. And now there's a census that's being rolled out. So everyone's being sent back to their hometowns. So Mary, who's very pregnant with child, gets on a donkey and takes a journey back to her husband's hometown of Bethlehem. It's a long tiring trip for them. And the nativity scene that we have so neatly decorated on our mantles with everyone kind of in their freshly pressed tunics is hardly the case that evening. Because it's not surrounded by tranquility and peace, but chaos. As you can imagine that the that Jesus or in inside of his mother Mary and, and Joseph, they're They're not the only ones probably traveling to get back to where they needed to be for this census. And it is into this world and into this mess that Jesus comes. After a long day's drive, tired, fatigued parents, he's born. You know, kings back then came and went. Granted, Rome was around for a really long time, but before then, you know, we could list off empires, Babylonians, Greeks, Persians, Romans. Kings would come, and when they came, they came often for themselves, right? Empire, conquest. They came and and, and drove out foreign armies and occupied lands and acquired wealth for themselves. We can see this all throughout history. We can go to Napoleon and, and so forth and acquiring art and stuff and pillaging other cultures and, and civilizations. When kings came back then, they often came for themselves. And even now, whenever a new leader is, is elected or brought into power, we, we think that at least the cynical side of us wonders, did they come to really serve? Do they come to really help us? Or did they come to serve themselves, to try to grab power, fame? In that day, there was hardly any question. Rulers cared about themselves. Caesar was, in his own view, a god of sorts. But Jesus comes. And Jesus, he comes and steps into the very lives of the people he came for. He doesn't come looking down on others, looking to pillage, looking to just rule with an iron fist, but comes to serve, identifies with them people. The text of Scripture says that he made himself nothing and took on the very form of a servant. He identifies with the people and the pain, the people he came for. So for whom did Jesus come? Well, if we were looking at this text, first we could easily say that Jesus came for the young and the old alike. Jesus is not limited to like antiquated religion. He comes for the young and the old alike. We're going to bounce around the story a little bit as we kind of look at this. But 
but right from the start, Mary and Joseph, they're kind of young. They're actually really, really young. They were just getting started in life. And remember, Mary, she's engaged to Joseph when she gets visited by an angel who turns her world upside down and says, you're going to have a baby. And and she's like, I don't know how that's going to happen. And he says, the Holy Spirit's going to make it happen. They were young people. They were just starting to get it together in life, mapping out when they were getting married. They, she was trying on her wedding dresses, he, looking at venues, all that stuff. They didn't have any of it down when Jesus comes into the world. And here they are in the story, being sent back to their homelands, kind of, they, they, they get there. There's not even, like Joseph, he didn't call ahead. He didn't book a hotel. There's no rooms available. So they're like, I got a stable. And he's like, well, take the stable. That's all they could afford. So they go into the stable and they have a baby there. They're young. They're just getting started. Their 401k wasn't developed. They didn't even have a 529 plan set up. They couldn't even afford it because they were so poor. Jesus comes for people like Mary and Joseph. People who don't have it all together. People who are young, just getting started. People who have so many questions about what's in front of them. And Jesus steps into their life. He doesn't necessarily answer all of the questions for them, but he gives them himself. Comes for the young, he also comes for the old. We could fast forward in the text to Simeon, who's an old man who was told he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's anointed. And we get this glimpse in a temple. And the only time someone prayed to 6.8 ounce baby Jesus um, is in this text. For those of you tracking with Bricky Bobby. Um, and this is the only time in, in, in Simeon worships, right? He's an older man and he, he's worshiping the Messiah. And then the part that we didn't have time to read tonight was there's a story of Anna. This woman, she is, she is of old age. She's been a widow for like 84 years and she spends all of her time in a temple. She's essentially a nun. And she just, she's constantly waiting, constantly seeking the Messiah. Jesus comes for her too. Jesus comes for the young and the old alike. He comes for those who just recently found Jesus, and he comes for the people that have been following Jesus a long time, too. But Jesus didn't come just for the young and the old. He came for the insiders and outsiders. And if there's one thing that the Gospel of Luke goes through pains to show us is that God loves the people who are far from him, and he loves the people who are near as well. The insiders. The insiders, it's easy to love insiders, right? Right? New president gets elected, they fill their cabinet and their advisory council with insiders, right? People who are close to them, who know them, who know the way that they think, and they surround themselves with these kinds of people, but not Jesus. Jesus comes for the insiders and the outsiders. In fact, you can make an argument that he comes more for the outsiders than the insiders, but here in this text, we could look at Simeon and Anna again. Right, And we could see that here's Simeon. He's a faithful, devout man. That's what Holy Scripture says. It says he was righteous and devout in verse 25. And Anna, who was a prophetess, she says it didn't leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. These were the religious types. 
They were just faithfully following God as best as they could. They were religious insiders. They knew how things were done. They knew all the words that like that what the church people use when you come to church and we start talking in weird ways, like no one talks like this outside of here. They knew those words. They knew when to sit, when to stand, when to kneel, all of it. They were religious insiders, but they were people who were waiting for Jesus. They were people who were focused on his coming. And they were people that knew Jesus was the one that they had been waiting for. But notice something about Simeon and Anna. Their piety did not exclude them from needing Jesus. It deepened their need of Jesus. It made them more aware of just how much they needed Jesus. All of Anna's fasting and praying didn't stop her from needing Jesus more. All of Simeon's longing for Messiah didn't stop him from needing him. All of his faithfulness, all of his righteous deeds and his devoutness didn't prevent him from needing Jesus. Because there's two kinds of like this kind of religious fronts that come to us. There's like, there's like pure religion that seems to follow God and seek after him. These are like, like Anna and Simeon. And then there's this, there's another kind of religion that, that, that kind of says, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't have much need for Jesus because I, 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 I check off all the boxes. I go to church. I, I give some money. I do the things. Like, I'm kind of good. My life is put together. But Jesus doesn't come for those kinds of people. He comes for the people, the insiders at least, that know that they need him, that are aware that even though they do all of those things, they still need a Messiah, a deliverer to save them. We need a good king. So if you're an insider, you've been in church for a while, Christ is for you. You need him just as much as those outsiders do. You need him to save you because what we do doesn't save us. Christ is for you. But Jesus didn't come just for the religious insiders. He came for the outsiders, for the people that didn't get it. And we see this in the shepherds. We read that passage earlier when angels visited the shepherds on the hillside and they pronounced glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among whom he is pleased. He comes for the people that society puts off. And if you read about shepherds in this time, they're not really the greatest people. They're not even like they can't follow religious ceremonial laws because of their jobs. They're, they're kind of messy people. They're, they're riffraff who lived outside of the country. They couldn't follow law, ceremonial laws. They weren't allowed to give credible testimony in court. These were the people kind of far off. They existed outside the city. They watched over stuff for sacrifices, but they didn't necessarily come in. Sorry, You have something to say? You can't even give credible witness in court. People didn't trust them. And who are the first people that get the announcement that the Messiah has come, that the king is being born? It's the shepherds. It's the people who are far away from God. Jesus didn't come for the people with the most followers on Twitter, the greatest 
TikTok videos, the most likes on Instagram. He didn't come like positioning himself for like, hey, if I'm going to like span my message, he didn't consult with his branding angels and said, you know, if I'm going to get the message of the good news out there, like we're going to need to like the branding angels, we're going to need to like, what, like, how's our logo look? What's our font like? Yeah, Jesus didn't do any of that. He's like, I'm going to go to the shepherds, to the people far out who are ready to hear this good news. Jesus comes to the lost and the least and the lowly. He comes for people that don't have it all together and he pulls them in as the people that belong to him. He came for the young and the old. He came for the poor and despised. He came for people that know that they need him. So, why did Jesus come? Well, he came to do his Father's will. This is passage like kind of moves pretty fast. We get like the, the angel announce. We get the birth of Jesus, the angel announcement, and then Jesus is all of a sudden an adolescent, right? And it's really interesting that in Luke's gospel is the only time that anything has been said about like the childhood of Jesus. Most gospels go from birth to ministry. And here we have this slice of what was life was like for Mary and Joseph a little bit. And uh, there's actually like even like fun stories that go around about what Jesus' childhood, like this whole myth about Jesus breaking a pot and then putting it back together before Mary got home. Um, but I don't know what it was really like, but I, we do have this one account, and it's an account where they took a trip to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It's about a day's, a day's ride over there. And Jesus, young Jesus, wanders into the temple. And they leave, and they assume that Jesus is just in their big group, and they get back, and they can't find Jesus. And if you're Mary and Joseph, you're like, I got visited by an angel, and I was I got one job, like, and I can't find Jesus. And so they look for him for three days. And you can imagine, like, if you've ever lost your kid in a public place for a period of time, you are just a mess, right? And you can imagine that Mary and Joseph, they're a mess, and they finally track him down. And Jesus responds to them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? Jesus, as a little boy, laser-focused on his heavenly Father's plan. And remember, friends, that Jesus came to earth for a purpose, to live the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, to die the death that we deserved, and to rise again. And here we have that Jesus in his earliest times was aware of his need for the Father's will, to be in the Father's will, and he is laser Focus on it. He came to fulfill everything that was written in the front half of your Bible. And he came to do the will of the Father. Jesus is laser focused on his plan. So he came to do his Father's will. And then I think he came to do something else. And that is, I think he came to pull you in to this story.
That is, to invite you in me into the story, this story of what God is doing in the world. Kind of interesting, each and every one of these people we've encountered, Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, if you read Luke 1, Anna, Simeon, shepherds, the people that Jesus showed up in to at the temple, they're just kind of going about their lives. And then Jesus comes in and he just changes everything and he pulls them into his story of what he is doing. And friends, I think that's what Christ is doing to us. I have an almost four-year-old son. And one of the things I love is watching a four-year-old play because four-year-olds pretend, right? And so we cook a lot at home and, and Gavin really likes to cook with us. And so he is often behind his play grill and I'm just really hoping this pays off when he gets a little bit older and I don't have to cook my own food. But like, I'll watch him and he'll be like, what are you making? And he's like, I'm making, he'll, he'll tell me he's making a tomahawk ribeye. I'm like, this is, the future is bright for me. And, um, and so he's grilling his tomahawk ribeye. He's pretending or, or other times, like I'm watching him play with his toys on the floor. Like he's stepped into a world. And Gavin and his four-year-old mind is still too little to understand that all of that pretending and playing he's doing is being used to form and shape him and is caught up into the bigger story of his life, of his parents' life, and of what God is up to in the world. And sometimes I feel like we never stop pretending. We try to put on fronts try to make ourselves look important, try to imagine ourselves in different places and circumstances, try to make our lives mean something. And then here's the thing. Christ invites us into a story so that our lives can mean something. Something, he gives us like an ultimate purpose. He takes your story and he pulls it into his like just as we kind of like go through our lives and like a little kid goes through his life and I'm like, no, you're part of, part of this big story about what God is doing in our family and all this stuff as we're doing all of these things. We don't realize we're part of a big story of what God is, is doing in the world. You don't have to pretend you are actually a participant. He came for the lost, the low, and the least to pull them into the story. And then our passage concludes with a beautiful verse, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Well, what's significant about that, Don? Well, what's significant is that the average everyday life is a life that Jesus lived. The normal humdrum of your everyday is something Jesus experienced. Jesus woke up groggy some days. He went to bed too late. He probably ate too much at Passover from time to time or like we'll eat too much at Christmas feast. He probably had maybe like arguments with his siblings, but Jesus was always right anyway. So 
Um, but he, he knew what it was like to work a job every day as he grew up in the trades. He, he lived a perfect life, one that didn't sin, but yet it was filled with, with all of the things your life is filled with, family drama and, and, and fishing trips and hard labor and calloused hands and sore feet and, and tired fatigue. Jesus experienced all of it. And what the Bible says of all of that upbringing and his ministry didn't start till into his 30s, it says that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and people. And maybe, just maybe, like what God is doing with our everyday humdrum life, and he's pulling it into his story of what he's doing in the world. And he's saying that it matters. Just as Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and people, maybe God pulls your story into his so that you can grow in him. Your life isn't lost. It isn't meaningless. It matters. We spend our lives looking for things to make it matter. Power, praise, comfort, things, peace. Some people look to other religions. Some people look to self. Everyone is looking for meaning and Jesus comes and he says, no, 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 I can give you meaning. And that meaning is in my story. All of life matters. One of my favorite quotes, and you're going to hear this every year as long as I'm your pastor at Christmas time, is that the incarnation, that is Jesus coming to earth, is proof that God is not against us. And as we conclude tonight, I want to tell you that Jesus came for the lost and the least so that they might be caught up into the story of God. The angels, when they visited the shepherds, brought good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news. This good news, so often like when a new king would come, they would pronounce, they would pronounce news to, to people. And you can imagine that if a new king comes into your land, like, and he pronounces news, it's not necessarily good news, right? It's like, oh, we have a new king. What is this going to mean for me? Like, how is my life going to change? And in, in here, Jesus comes and the angels announce, no, 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 this is going to be good news that's going to be for all peoples, right? It's news of peace when all they knew is war. It's news of rest when there's strife and it's news of joy when there's sorrow. This is the kind of king Jesus is and he comes and he steps in for the lost and the low to pull them into the story of what God is doing and he announces peace and forgiveness and we step into that knowing that one day God will bring that fully to fruition as you reflect on the good news of great joy may you be filled with that joy because your king has come for you the least the low and the lost us to pull us into his story let's pray Father, I thank you for being a God who loves us, a God who calls us into your story. And I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him into the world. Thank you for announcing this good news that we get to participate in now. Oh Lord, would you fill our hearts with just a sense of wonder at what you've done and that you would call us into it.
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.